Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ben. As Robin said, I'm the campus pastor here at our Noblesville campus. And uh, I just made a decision on the fly to do something a little bit different at the top of my message today. Uh, I want to read for you from John chapter 1. And, uh, and I want you just to listen. We're going to work through this text today uh, in this message, but I want to invite you to sit and to maybe just clear your mind from whatever it is that you came in here with, uh, to put those distractions down and to open uh, your ears, to open your heart, and maybe listen uh, with fresh ears for the first time what John tells us at the beginning of his gospel. And so here's what it says. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much this morning uh, that you so very much loved this world, that you sent your one and only Son. Father, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And I thank you for your word that guides us in all truth, Father, as we look at this text this morning, as we open your word Lord, we are coming after you. We are coming after your heart and your mind. We want to understand. We seek to know you better and then to take that knowledge and that intimacy with you and to go out and to live differently because of it. Lord, move in this place by your spirit today. We thank you for Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, I want to start today by asking you uh, what hopefully will seem like a simple question, but may turn out to be uh, a little bit more difficult than it first seems. Here's the question. What's the most memorable gift you received last year for Christmas? Now, one of our New Thing partner churches uh, in Naperville, Illinois, made a video in downtown Chicago asking shoppers that very question. And so while you think about your answer, I want you to check this out. Here in downtown Chicago, I'm right here on the Magnificent Mile because it's Christmas time in the city, and we're here to talk to some Christmas shoppers about Christmas shopping and Christmas. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Hey, can I ask you a question about Christmas? 
we're asking everybody the same question. What's the most memorable Christmas gift that you received last year? I can't think, I can't remember. Anything. Did you celebrate, did you celebrate Christmas last year? Yeah. And did you spend Christmas with loved ones? With my family, yeah. And did they get you any Christmas gifts? They did. What is your most memorable Christmas gift you received from last year? My most memorable Christmas, I don't know. Um, what did I even get? <laughs> um. <laughs> it's Christmas time in the city. What's the most memorable Christmas gift you received last year? Last year? Memorable. Um. Like the gift that you remember the most. Um. <laughs> oh gosh. I don't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what I got last year. Now, we sit here and we laugh at that, but are any of you like the people in this video? Maybe uh, you're not only struggling to remember the most memorable gift you received last year, you would struggle to remember any gift at all. And that should probably make us stop and wonder, why are we doing this? <laughs> why, why are we spending so much time and feeling so much stress, accumulating so much debt, buying so many gifts, when a year later, we can't even remember the experience? And how did we get to this point? Where did all of this begin? You know, no one knows definitively how our gift-giving tradition came to be, uh, but there are several different theories out there. Some say that it started in Bethlehem when the wise men brought gifts to Jesus, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And if you grew up in a Christian home, it's likely that your gift-giving was somehow associated with those gifts from the wise men. However, others trace our gift-giving practice back to the fourth century, uh, when people in Europe and the Middle East gave presents to one another at a rowdy winter festival uh, that, was, that was thrown to honor a pagan god. And early Christians wanted to phase that festival out. And so they created a new festival to replace it that celebrated Jesus' birth. But with that new festival, they kept the practice of gift giving alive. And yet others claim that buying Christmas gifts didn't really catch on until the early 1800s when a growing distance emerged between uh, the elite and the working class in New York. And the idea goes that as wealthy parents uh, saw that their kids were beginning to interact with some of the, the lower classes, they began giving gifts to their children as a way to keep them home and away from the corrupting influence of those lower classes. Now, that's the real Christmas spirit, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that just what Christmas is all about? But wherever this tradition came from and however it got its start, there's no denying that the giving and receiving of gifts plays a very central role in our Christmas celebrations. And just to set your hearts at ease, let me assure you that I'm not gonna suggest this morning that we shouldn't give gifts. I could tell some of you are getting a little bit nervous about this. But the truth is the very first Christmas was about gift giving. So this practice can be incredibly meaningful for us. But we have to understand that the gift given that very first Christmas was different. 
And so today, I want to look deeper into that very first gift. Uh, what was it that made it so meaningful and so memorable? And what can it teach us about giving more? Uh, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about the fact that many of us actually miss Christmas every single December. We get so overwhelmed with all the chaos and the busyness and the stress of the season that we actually miss uh, the season's true meaning. And Paul pointed out last week in his message that even on the very first Christmas, most people missed it. They missed the wonder of God becoming one of us fully human in every way, as Hebrews chapter 2 points out. And only a handful of people were paying attention and experienced that when it happened. The rest missed it. So this year, we want to make sure that we don't miss Christmas. Let's not rush by the nativity. Let's slow down. Let's seek to understand the gift that was given on that very first Christmas. I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John. It's the passage that I read at the beginning of this message. If you didn't bring a Bible, there are some under the seats around you. If you don't own a Bible, I want you to keep one of those as your own. That's our gift to you. Uh, this passage is going to be on page 739 of those Bibles under the seats. But at the start of John's Gospel, uh, what maybe you heard as I read is that he takes us back to the very beginning of time itself. And it's where we have to start in order to understand the scope of the gift that God gave to us. So in John chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 1. This is what it says. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Now let's pause right there. Notice in this passage that the word is capitalized. It's as if it's someone's name. And what we know from reading the passage earlier is that the word is Jesus. John makes that clear later on in this passage, that when he talks about the word, he's talking about Jesus. And it's important to know that because what John is affirming is that Jesus has always been present with the Father. My family started our Advent readings a week or two ago now. And as we came to this passage in our Advent reading, I asked my kids the question, where's the first place in the Bible that we see Jesus? And they thought about that for a minute. And then they suggested some things like uh, the book of Matthew, the, the very first gospel, or maybe at the virgin birth, or, or when we read Jesus' name for the first time in the gospels. But then my oldest daughter, Kate, caught on, and, and she said Genesis chapter 1. And she was right. When we read in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God, you can know that Jesus is included in that statement. John says he was with God in the beginning. He says that everything that was made, the creation account that we read about in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, all of that was made by and through Jesus. And John is reminding us that Jesus did not come into existence on that first Christmas. He was with God in the beginning, and he is the God who always has been. And so here's the bottom line. When we look into the manger of our nativity scene, what we see is that the gift is God himself. The gift given on that very first Christmas was a relational gift. And while we may not be able to trace where our gift-giving tradition began, 
This is where it takes on ultimate meaning for us as followers of Jesus. We can look at the Father's relational gift to us and learn some things about him that we can then reflect. What did God's relational gift giving involve? Well, if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. God's gift was personal. God's gift was personal. Have you ever received a gift from someone that seemed to say, I didn't really want to take the time to give you something meaningful, but I had to give you something, so here's this. Did you ever get a gift like that? And we try to make it better by saying, well, you know, it's, it's the thought that counts. But even that really is ironic because no thought went into that gift <laughs> at all. So I think one of the reasons our gifts are so easily forgotten is that they're so often impersonal. You don't remember what you got for Christmas last year because it was just a shirt in a closet full of shirts. It was another pair of shoes in a cubby full of shoes. It was a gift card to a store that you shop at all the time. And while those gifts are fine and maybe even helpful, they're not personal. But in contrast, relational giving means we pay attention to the other person. We think about who they are and what they care about. We think about what their needs are. We think about what would bring them joy. A personal gift is born out of this knowledge. I brought with me today a, a very personal gift from my childhood. And uh, maybe a little bit of background would help you understand this gift. I, I grew up in a great home. Uh, my parents loved me. I think they still love me. Uh, my dad was a pastor and my mom cleaned homes and gave piano lessons for a living to, to, to help make ends meet. And so um, we didn't have a whole lot of extra. Uh, our, our needs were always met, but there wasn't a whole lot of extra money uh, for extra things. And so just for example, I can remember as a kid, going to McDonald's was a big deal. I mean, we just very rarely did that. In fact, I talked to my mom and dad on the phone last night, and I told them I was going to share this story. And, and my dad said, yeah, we, we even made you and your sister split a Happy Meal. And uh, my mom very quickly chimed in and said, no, we didn't have money for the Happy Meal. You just split a cheeseburger and fries. And I didn't know that as a kid. I just knew we were going to McDonald's, and it was a big deal. But, uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of extra. But I loved G.I. Joe's. As a kid, I, I was really into G.I. Joe's. And if you were a, a boy growing up in the, the late 70s, early 80s, uh, G.I. Joe's were the things to have. And we would take them to school with us, and at recess, we'd build forts, we'd play with our G.I. Joe's. I, I just absolutely loved them. And I'll never forget one year for my birthday, my mom gave me this. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but... The reality is she didn't have the money to buy me something from the store. So what she did was she made me a tent for my G.I. Joe guys. And all this is is a, a piece of poster board with some burlap glued to the outside. I, I bet there's five cents total investment right here. But the reality is that I've kept it all this years because this has great value to me. And just like most of you, you know, I had a hard time thinking of a single gift that I received for Christmas last year. But I remembered this one from over 30 years ago. Because this gift said, I know you. I know what you like. Uh, I, I know what you're about. I, I know what you need. I know how to make something that will bring you joy. And that made all the difference for this gift. And that's the kind of gift that God gave to us. It was personal. Look back again at John chapter 1, and we read in verse 9, 
that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Listen, God's gift allows us to become his sons and his daughters. Talk about a personal gift. To those who receive this gift, he gives the right to become his children. And when we receive Jesus and we believe in his name, we go from being enemies of God to entering into the family of God. One of the best known scriptures in all of the Bible is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? I bet most of you could, could recite that by heart. But the danger is that we would believe that God loved the world, but we would miss the point and the reality that God loved me. God loved you. God so loved you. God came for you. He sent his son because he didn't want you to perish. On that first Christmas, God's gift was personal. He knew you before you were even born. He knew the condition of your heart and of mine. And he knew that we would need a savior who could pay for our sins and restore us and make us his sons and daughters. He knew what that would take. And he gave the most personal gift imaginable. And what was that gift? Well, it's the second point I, I want to point out this morning. It was his presence. God's gift was presence. Now, the gift of presence is powerful, isn't it? In the late 1980s, the Folgers Coffee Company caught on to the power of presence, and they capitalized on it with a commercial about a man named Peter who surprised his family and came home for Christmas. I, I want you to check this out. I love it when Peter makes the coffee. <laughs> coffee? How many of you remember that commercial from the 80s? Yeah, and it, it really struck a chord, didn't it? It was huge. And what Folgers really captured was the power of presence. Peter's home. He's making the coffee. Did you know there are a lot of different names for Jesus in the Bible? We just read two of them. John calls him the Word. And later he calls him the true light. This time of year, we also call him something else. We, we call him Emmanuel. And that comes from a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, written over 600 years before Jesus was born. And it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And then that same prophecy is quoted in Matthew's gospel, 
In Matthew 1.23, after the angel has visited Joseph, and Matthew adds that Emmanuel means God with us. Look back in the John passage in verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know, I said before that, that Jesus didn't come into existence on that first Christmas. He is the one who always was. He was with the Father in the beginning. But what we see in John 1.14 is that the one who existed before time itself began, he came to live among us. The gift God gave us was his presence. I love the way Eugene Peterson says it in the message. Uh, he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's what Jesus did. He stepped out of heaven and he moved into the neighborhood. He entered the world that he had created and he lived among us as one of us. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And you may say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. You know, I wasn't there. He isn't here. How is he present with me? How does this relate to me? And that's exactly why Jesus told his disciples in John 16, when he was preparing to go to the cross and he was preparing to leave this earth, that it was actually better for them that he go away because when he goes, he's going to send the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit for, for disciples of Jesus is not only present with us, but he lives in us and he guides us every moment of every day. See, Jesus' presence is still a gift to us today through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. So God's gift was personal, his gift was presence, and one other thing, God's gift was costly. God's gift was pricey. And it's funny to think about, but sometimes the most expensive gift is the cheapest gift possible. Think about that for a minute. If all we do is purchase something, no matter how big the price tag, if there's no thought given, if there's no sacrifice made, no love included, that's the cheapest gift possible. God's gift isn't like that. God's gift cost him something. And I want to finish this morning in Philippians chapter 2. And this is on page 819 if you're using the house Bible. But this is where the Apostle Paul gives a clear description of the cost of God's gift. And this is going to fill in some of the details for us from John's opening account. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing about Jesus, and he says that being in very nature God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And then being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Listen, giving relationally, cost Jesus everything. And I want you to imagine with me for a minute the scene in heaven in eternity past when Jesus was in his rightful place of glory and honor with the Father. And, and right there by the Father's side, Jesus is worshiped, he is adored, he is praised. There's no questioning who he is. He is God, he is the creator, he is the supreme being over the entire universe. And there in heaven, he is given the glory that he deserves. But when Jesus left his Father's side to be with us, he left that glory and left that majesty of heaven behind. And he humbly entered broken planet earth as a helpless, dependent baby. And that's what I want you to try and wrap your head around this morning. That Jesus went from being the most powerful to the most vulnerable. 
He went from being everything to being nothing. The power of the word that spoke the universe into existence now existing as a helpless baby in a filthy stable, sleeping in a feed trough. That is shocking. And though he was in very nature God, he made himself nothing. He became a servant. Matthew 20, 28 tells us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his ultimate act of service. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And in his death, he paid the price for your sins and for mine. And he opened the door to a relationship with the Father. And our adoption papers are signed in the blood of Jesus, his one and only son. God's gift cost him everything. He didn't hold anything back, not his glory, not his honor, not his praise, not even his only son. God's gift was personal. His gift was presence, and his gift was pricey. And he gave it because he so loved you. So what are we to do with this? When we take this information, and do we just go out of here, and what do we do? Well, I think there are two applications, and it really depends on where you are with God the Father this morning. If you are still living as an enemy of God, if you have not received the gift of his son, the application for you is clear. To those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And today is the day that you could receive God's free gift, be forgiven of all of the sins of your past, your present, and your future, and enter into the family of God. Why not today? If that's you, I'd love to talk with you after the service about what a relationship with God looks like. Don't walk away from God's relational gift today. But I know that there's many here today who are already in the family of God. We're already marked as sons and daughters of God. And so if that's you, what do you do with all of this? Well, I think there's a different application for you and me. Because where Philippians 2 gives us a clear picture of what Christ did for us, the passage isn't only about Jesus. Understand that all of Scripture ultimately is about Jesus. But this Philippians 2 passage has a clear implication and a clear command for followers of Jesus. Do you know how this passage begins? Look at, chapter, or at verse 5, Philippians 2, verse 5. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's saying that to you and to me, to followers of Christ. Paul is saying, Christian, this is how you should live. This is how you should think. This is how you should act. Have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I'm convinced as I read those verses and as I hear that command of Paul that we are to have the mindset of Jesus, that that mindset comes down to this. It's humble obedience. It's humble obedience. Jesus was humbly obedient. In everything he did, he was seeking to glorify his father, and while I'm not suggesting that we stop giving gifts this Christmas, I am suggesting that we give differently 
because we live from a different mindset and we view every moment and every act of this Christmas season and of every day of our entire lives as an opportunity for humble obedience as a response to the gift that God has given us, that we would serve and we would love and we would share the hope of Christ with everyone we come in contact with. That hope is the true gift of Christmas and it's the gift that God has given us and the gift he has called us to give to others. So what's your next move? Are you in the family of God? Have you received his free gift? Have you received the son and been given the right to be called a son or daughter of the most high God? If not, I say again, why not today? And if so, the challenge to you this Christmas and beyond is to have that same mind as Christ Jesus, humble obedience, living your life for him. Let me pray for us this morning to that end. Father God, I thank you again for your word. I thank you again for revealing yourself to us through it. And I thank you, Father, that in the passages we read this morning, the passages that we looked at, Father, just the clarity that's given of the gift that that you have given to us, Father, that to those who receive the gift of Jesus Christ, you have given the right to become sons and daughters. Father, that you have adopted us into your family. You've offered us the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, when there was nothing that we could do to to earn that or even deserve it, Lord, you freely gave it through Christ. If there are those here this morning, Lord, who have have not received the gift, I pray this morning uh, that this would be the day. This would be the day, Father, that they stop living as an enemy of you and rather, Lord, that they mark themselves as a son or daughter of God. And Father, for those of us who are are in your family, uh, Lord, I pray for an increase of the heart of Christ, an increase of the mind of Christ. Lord, that we would live as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He humbled himself. He became obedient all the way to death, even death on a cross. Lord, let it be true of us as we live our lives with the mindset of Christ. We love you. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Can we stand together this morning uh, and celebrate Jesus and respond to the gift that he's given us? He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself and carried the cross love so amazing love so amazing Jesus Messiah name above
name above all names, the blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel. Messiah 